Hey, song surfers, welcome to another edition of Song Surfing with Friends. If you're checking out the show for the first time, the usual format of song surfing is I and some of the show's correspondents pick out tunes to create a playlist of independent music from around the world. On occasion, though, a guest, or in today's case, two guests, pop in with some excellent tunes to play. Today's guests, I must say, friends, I am so happy to have the chance to chat with. O'Neill and Jones are a songwriting duo based in Manchester, UK, consisting of Matt O'Neill, a preacher's son, and Sophie Jones, an architect's daughter. Their music blends simple, poetic lyrics with sweeping harmonies, melodic guitar, and harmonica and ukulele riffs, which all combine to create a sound that sits comfortably in the folk, rock, and country genres. Their songs deal with big themes through the lens of small scenes and characters that transport the listener and weave strong imagery. Their second single, No Excuse, has received radio play in both the UK and USA since its release in January of 2021. And their debut, a Christmas single entitled It Doesn't Snow, was released directly to their fans via Bandcamp. While they're relatively new to the singer-songwriter scene, they have been quietly making a living as an acoustic covers duo for the past 10 years. A useful primer in song arrangement, catchy hooks, and how to grab and keep the attention of the listener. We've heard songs by O'Neill and Jones previously on Song Surfing back in episodes 13 and the special one-year anniversary show, episode 34. O'Neill and Jones, welcome to Song Surfing. Hey, John, how are you? Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. So how did the two of you meet? Uh, we met at a, a show uh, that Sophie was playing in, uh, where was it? Sheffield. In Sheffield, yeah. Um, which is in the north of England. Um, and uh, we just got talking afterwards and we spoke about the fact that we, we were both musicians. We were both writing songs um, kind of on our own and uh, just got together and, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> We've been together for about twelve years, and we haven't killed each other yet. So that's yeah, no, we... I mean we've come we've come close, but <laughs> you hang out with anyone for that long, and it's going to get nasty, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so has the how long has the duo been a thing since uh, we've been together, which is twelve yeah, twelve years? Yeah. yeah, pretty much pretty much since day one. Yeah. yeah, I mean we we liked each other. That's fair to say, <laughs> but you've also got to earn a living, haven't you? Uh, I say, I say 12 years before Matt can jump in because he would literally say, oh, probably about three or four because it's all... Yeah, just... well, it feels like about 20 minutes. And I suppose that's <laughs> testament to you, Sophie. Oh, thank you. Is that good or about <laughs> yeah. But the truth is we, we never would have been able to decide which of us stayed at home watching telly and the other one, which which would go out to work and, yeah. and earn the, uh, the living. So we decided to... We had to, to do it together. Yeah, we'll split the duty. I'll, <laughs> I'll carry stuff and you can do all the emails. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you do uh, acoustic covers as your day job? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's something we've, we've been doing really f- since day one. Um, it's... Uh, it, Neither of us particularly fancied going out and being the sort of breadwinner in a nine to five job. So we we both decided, right, well, we're we're both making music separately. Let's let's kind of combine our efforts and see see what we can do. And so it's been great. And and but the funny thing is the the with the pandemic that we've just been through for the last couple of years. Um, I, I think for a lot of people it was a a sudden kind of grinding to a halt where they suddenly couldn't go into work or, or they'd been furloughed or if, even if they were working from home, suddenly finding themselves with a, a huge amount of time on their hands and, and maybe even sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Whereas for us, uh, we found ourselves with a, a huge amount of time 
on our hands to to plow into the sort of publicity side of things we like to to record and and shoot videos for everything and make sure the website looks nice and all that stuff that you have to do when you're self-employed um so for us we we found that we were <laughs> suddenly working um twice as hard as as we were you know outside of the pandemic there know? was a certain amount of panic that set in i think obviously <laughs> because we're we're both self-employed we've enjoyed a very nice self-employed life where we like to you know we make our own uh, our own rules basically of the the way that we live um so obviously when the pandemic hit and, and all of our work for for 18 months um kind of went down the drain i said to I, we both kind of looked at each other and went right well now we need to work extra hard more harder than we've ever worked before to make sure that hopefully when the world wakes up again and we're back to you know back to work that that we can actually kind of recoup some of the the money that we've we've lost basically so we didn't really have very much time to to do what we what we love, which is writing, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, every moment that, that we spend, you know, editing a a, a cover song or, or something for for a, a video or whatever is is time that at the back of our minds we're thinking, God, we should really be writing our own stuff here. <laughs> but you've got to feed the monkey, haven't you? <laughs> so, how does making money from covers work? Where does where does that money come from? Uh, well, we uh, we play for anybody who will have us. Basically, um, it's it's been a very very long slog, uh, starting right at the bottom, playing anywhere and everywhere, and um, and now after you're talking live performance, yes. yeah, yeah, li- yeah, yeah, live stream or we've tried live streaming a little bit, haven't we? But it's we've mainly two, yeah. we, we've done I one or two. Yeah, I, I think the problem at the moment is because it's it's kind of in its infancy and it, a lot of people realized during the pandemic oh there's a there's a market here for musicians who are out of work and people who are missing going out and and stuff but actually the 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 money side of things isn't right in in that arena you can't really make a living um as far as i can tell from from uh, streaming on other people's sort of platforms. If if we'd been streaming live on Twitch or whatever for you know a few years before the pandy hit, um, we might have been able to to actually see some sort of revenue from it. But as usual, we've just been sitting around playing guitars and and you know singing songs and stuff, <laughs> going out and playing live. And then suddenly that wasn't an option, so we were like, ah, right, okay. So now we need to. Uh, yeah, figure out something else to do. So yeah, it's always been a, a, a live situation for us, and 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 then the videos you're putting on YouTube, and then do you get revenue from that? A, a, a tiny, a very t- a, minuscule, a laughable. Right if now. I We're told you how much it, it was, but... John, you'd laugh your ass off. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to. I just, I don't, I don't mess with YouTube really. So I, I have no idea what the threshold you have to cross is as far as number of views or subscribers. I, yeah, I tell you what though. <laughs> we we are doing a lot of good work for some advertisers out there. We're, we really <laughs> are. We are bringing attention to some very dodgy products. We're trying to do the whole passive income thing, which is release a um, you know a, a covers album of nine, ten songs, and then record videos for those songs. Then those songs go on Bandcamp, which we have quite a lot of really loyal followers that like to you know um, that like to pay more than than we feel comfortable <laughs> for for the the covers that we're releasing, and then we. Uh, release the videos um you know once the album's out we put a video out every week for about two and a half two two and a half months and then all of those songs then go on spotify so in essence it's kind of a passive income once you've 
um, you know, once you've released the music and released the videos, then hopefully they'll just grow from there. That's that's yeah. kind of the plan of, of what we're trying to work at right now. Yeah, and, and at the minute it's looking like quantity is going to be our, our friend in, yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, everybody knows about the horrendous kind of streaming revenue situation. So the way we figure it, if we can just have about 48,000 tracks... <laughs> He says quantity, but I'm definitely more of a quality kind of person. They've <laughs> got to be good. They've got to be great songs, and um, but yeah, that's that's kind of kind of the way the way that we're working things right now, isn't it? So you're not just pulling videos that you recorded in the bathroom from your camera roll. <laughs> oh, Matt yeah. would love to. to no, be no, we, we do a, um, put the work in. There's a bare naked lady song called One Week that's uh, that's that, that was filmed in the bathroom, and it's one of Matt's favorite videos to watch. So I'm sure he'd love to recreate that. To be honest, oh, it was great. It was called the bathroom sessions. Yeah. I think they did about six or seven seven tracks. That echo, yeah, perfect <laughs> of marble tiling. And we should have learned from that actually, because that's you know that's literally just the two of them in the bathroom horsing around the and lowest it, and budget millions yeah. and millions of views <laughs> and actually probably more than any sort of uh, like you know record label funded music video that yeah. they ever put out it's <laughs> just goes to show people really respond to something that's kind of immediate and human and yeah, simple organic and, mm. yeah <laughs> so what have you learned through um learning all the covers that you've learned and how does that influence your songwriting or inform it well, I think for me, it's, uh, I can't speak for Soph, but uh, it's, it's definitely a great primer in, in how to arrange something and not hang on an idea for too long and know which ideas are strong and worth repeating and, and, and which aren't. I, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, uh, oh, well, the latest, um, the latest cover that we just that just went up on our YouTube channel is that old fifties rock and roll song um, "Sealed with a Kiss," and it's just I, I don't know what two and a half three minutes of just perfection. It's it's got a really strong uh, chorus, a really strong chorus, and some really nice, beautifully phrased uh, verses to to link them together and. It's it's in and out within within three minutes. It's it's just perfect. So I, so stuff like that kind of really strikes me and, and makes me realize that there's a temptation when you're writing to um, to want to indulge and to want to repeat the same idea over and over and add new layers and new things. But actually, once you've done all that, the really um, important part is where you look back and go oh right so there's about 60 or 70 percent of this that can just go it doesn't need to be there and it's and it's there because i wanted everyone to hear how great i am and you know it, it, it's songs songs are simple ideas that are arranged nicely and and transferred effectively uh, i learned how to harmonize at a really young age so harmony is a, a big part of the way that we write things we love those two parts we love the three parts even more because we we don't have a third person yeah. so we we really we really really want that third part um but uh the tendency with us is to try and stick in harmonies you know either throughout the entire song or um you know uh, quite early in the song where as we're working on a radiohead song at the moment uh, at the moment which is um black star which has a beautiful harmony right at the end of the 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 last verse um and it just kind of hits you 
it like grabs you and it's like, oh, finally, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that harmony. Perfection, it's absolutely it? beautiful. So to hang on to those those urges that you have to to stick in, you know, a, a, either a guitar lick really early on or a harmony or even like a drum fill or anything like that, you know, just, just wait a little bit and, and see where the song goes, basically. Yeah, let it develop organically and don't, yeah. don't show your hand too early. Yeah, very much. So with your Radiohead example, with that group, it seems that their harmonies are used, um, I, I mean, at least to me, secondarily to make the song more pretty or more beautiful, but more it's to, I think, emphasize certain bits of lyrics that they want sure. to emphasize. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. And there are a huge number of examples of, of that moment where you've been enjoying the song perfectly well and then something will just come in that just tips it over the edge and you think, wow, that is that. I mean, that's the best moment of the song. Uh, the, the song specifically that Sos talking about is Black Star from uh, from the Benz. And I'm sure you know mm-hmm. the yeah. the line that we're talking about. That that be- and it's a harmony that go that that sits under the main yeah. vocal as well, rather than the the yeah. more common um, third above or fifth yeah, above. Yeah. Uh, so it just that that moment just gets both of us and, and sends shivers down our spines. And also, there are quite a lot of examples because I'm <laughs> I'm the female vocal and Matt's the the you know the male vocal. Tendency is for Matt to sing the low part and for me to sing the high part. But actually, if you do the opposite, there's kind of that really, really nice unexpected harmony there yeah. um, also. But it's kind of difficult with us. We have to find that sweet spot where we're, we're comfortable in both of our registers. Yeah, I think generally when we sound our best is when I'm singing fractionally too high and you're singing fractionally too low. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're both trying. So really. we can never really enjoy ourselves. <laughs> well, it does have to be a challenge, right? You have to find the right songs sure. that fit both of your voices. Absolutely, and, yeah. and, and it find and, the right key it, too. Yeah, sure, yeah, and it does bring the the vocals uh, uh, closer to each other in in terms of range and and pitch. It it can it can lead to some nice tight sounding um, moments where it it almost feels like one vocal, you know. Particularly if we if we listen to that's an, that's another thing. Um, uh, going back to your question about wh- what we've learned from from studying covers and and performing covers is that. You've really, particularly as a duo, but in any sort of ensemble situation, you've really got to listen to the other um, musicians and particularly the other vocalists, and um, and we'll take it to to insane degrees. Sometimes we'll we'll play back the the other person's vocal. Say if we're recording uh, or we're rehearsing or whatever, we'll we'll have whoever's doing the the lead vocal will have them repeat the line over and over and over again just listening to the exact phrase in the 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 length of each vowel my and my favorite thing to do actually yeah it makes a huge difference and and you know when when uh, uh, quite a few people have said to us in the past oh your voices blend really well they think that we're related quite a lot of the yeah, time that yeah. there's blood harmonies <laughs> and actually that's that's a result of just the putting in the time to to make a point of listening um, and studying like the way that we sing as well, I think that that's a lot. That's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. The the, the phrasing and the, uh, the 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 general tone. Uh, you've almost got to do an impression of the lead singer if you're the yeah. if you're the <laughs> harmonist. You know, you've you've really got to um, find that space where your vocal can sit without distracting from the main melody. That intense listening, I think, is is really an overlooked part of the process. Maybe I, I was in a band years ago and we were trying to do like Beatles style 
harmony, you know, where everyone was singing. And the drummer in the band, my friend Matt, uh, was a great singer, and he was sort of the one that would take charge whenever we were working out harmonies, you know, tell us, you sing this part, you sing that part. And we were, he was being really picky at rehearsal about (laughs) cutoffs, you know, uh, because we were getting ready to to go in the studio, you know, uh, when to breathe, when to cut off. And at the time, I was like, oh, wow, why is Matt being so picky? But the, the, the results were there when we, you know, when we got yeah. it all together, like then you really, you know, saw like, okay, there really is like a higher lo- level of attention to detail that you need to have when working out harmony parts that I guess gets overlooked. And you absolutely hear it back. Like you say, when, when you listen back and, and you realize where that, where, where that work went and, and what the results from it are. I mean, that, that story you just told sounds really familiar because I was that guy in, a, in like, a, <laughs> like a four-piece, you know, rock band. Um, I, I would just have the guys repeat and repeat and repeat to the point where it was just ridiculous. And I, and I think that comes from growing up in, the, in a sort of church environment. I was, I was singing in the choir from a really early age. And, there you and, go. Um, and my my mum was the uh, the the choir choir master. I don't know what to call it. It was a Salvation Army situation, so it was basically a church choir. But it but I think a lot of stuff sunk in at a really early age about th- those those things that you mentioned about cutoffs and and breathing points and making sure that everyone's on the same page and stuff. You notice that stuff when you when you listen back or when you put something out and there's something about it that people don't quite know why it's affecting them emotionally. Um, it, it's because you've you've put in the work to remove all of those potential distractions that could interfere with uh, the the signal between the song and their ears, you know. So maybe we already covered it, but is there anything you've learned about your own songwriting style that you discovered through working on covers or maybe performance style? I think the thing that, that has struck me most is the importance of lyrics and poetry and sort of efficiency of language i'm I'm thinking specifically about paul simon here Mm -hmm. there's a few moments here and there in in paul simon's work where when i when i hear the song back everything just stops for for a fraction of a second when that when that lyric hits you um i can't think of a specific example but there are there are more than five or six moments throughout his catalogue of work where I just feel like, how is that possible? You know, how how can you possibly come up with something like that? And you realise later, obviously, well, it's because you try it and it's rubbish and then you try it again and it's slightly less rubbish and <laughs> you refine it and you, you're allowed to work on this stuff. It's not, you know, no one's a genius. It doesn't just fall out of people's heads. So, so yeah, those probably two good, quite good lessons have good lyrics and don't expect the lyrics to be good straight away. You know, you're allowed to redraft and and rework things. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Did you discover anything about your own songwriting? Probably to make, uh, to to not try and make a song so complicated. Um, I find that I work better when I just choose a couple of chords and then try and hum over the top of either me playing, you know, a couple of guitar chords or a couple of keyboard chords and then going from there. Um, in the past, I've tried to make things rather intricate and it's not sounded that great. Yeah, you, you're making yourself sound quite uh, amateurish there, but actually <laughs> that's a really good point because I, I think what you mean is the temptation when you when you pick up a 
an instrument to write a song is, oh, this has to be incredibly new and innovative and do something that nobody's ever heard before. So, so what's the craziest couple of chords I could, mm. or you know, what's the what's the most interesting chord progression I could go for? And actually, that kind of really hinders the songwriting process yeah. if you're trying to be clever or trying to be <laughs> unusual. Yeah. Um, and and of course everybody wants to be that everybody wants to be known as that but actually the the stuff that you know our favorite artists are all working in a very simple straightforward poetic kind of medium that doesn't really require a huge amount of flash yeah. i um i i listen a lot to the beach boys and that kind of that three you know three songs that they mash together um, really interests me, but when I try and recreate it, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound as good as Brian Wilson, which you know done something right. So <laughs> I'm still working on it. That's okay though. If you if you're gonna fail to live up to someone, you want to fail to live up to Brian Wilson, don't you? <laughs> I, I think you can be okay. I'll with ride that. on the coattails. It's fine. <laughs> so let's get into the tunes that you s- selected for this episode. How did you go about picking the music? We tried to think of people whose work um, it it speaks for itself. Speaks yeah. for itself, inspires us to to be better. Um, there's there's nothing quite as exciting as hearing something by one of your peers and thinking, "Oh, that's miles better than my last thing," or or than you know the sort of thing I would come up with naturally. And it's nice to have a a, a moment of realization like that where you go ah oh, yeah i really wish i'd come up with that and perhaps if i'd put more work in i would have <laughs> uh, so yeah that was one thing and uh, you know the obvious thing is just the, the the sound of the stuff that that these guys are coming up with is is hugely um in our kind of wheelhouse it's exactly the sort of uh, sound that we like and they happen to be a couple of duos as well which wasn't something that we we particularly planned yeah. but uh, yeah maybe um Maybe because we're in that kind of whole duo space, we're we're becoming aware of more and more. But these are these are two um, independent um, outfits, one in the UK and one in the USA. That uh, they're just great guys, really hardworking, fantastic musicians, and uh, great vocalists, great yeah. harmonizers, yeah, great songwriters. Um, that uh, Wintergreen um, actually record and write all of their music at Bear Creek, um, and yeah, that they're. they're the production is just—it's beautiful, top notch. It's, it makes us very envious <laughs> of the sounds that they create. Um, they were there for, I think, a week in the during the pandemic. That's right, yeah. Um, and yeah, the the videos and everything—we were like, oh, only if only. Yeah. Let's go on a road trip. Let's go and meet them. Let's just put a couple of harmonies down just to contribute yeah. something. Um, but yeah, they were—they're very, very inspirational to us. And Two K and Ryan. They're such um, also amazing songwriters, but um, they're so positive in everything that they do, and the you can tell really tell with the message that they they portray with the music and the way that they portray themselves on social media as well. It's mm. just um, people just gravitate to them. They seem so happy and seem so in love with what they're doing, which yeah. is really um, really magnetic. I think. Mm. And and that's paying off as well. I mean, in the short time that we've known um, 2K and Ryan, they seem to have really uh, started to turn a lot of heads in the UK and and be uh, be mentioned in a lot of important conversations that seem to be happening yeah. around the sort of country and folk um, 
uh, scene, circuit, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, just a pleasure to know them. And, and Wintergreen, I mean, I'll marry the pair of them. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Wintergreen, originating from Utah, folk pop duo Wintergreen now calls Los Angeles home, with influences ranging from Bonnie Raitt and Fleetwood Mac to the Milk Carton Kids and First Aid Kit, they're a group that values craft, dynamics, and vocal harmonies. Kate and Cecily trade off vocals that weave together stories of nostalgia, growth, frustration, love, and all the in-betweens. The project has no rules as to what style they may create. It was simply agreed that they want to create good, fun, and beautiful music that can honor any stage they bring it to. Grammy Award winner Ryan Headlock of Brandy Carlisle, Vance Joy, Lumineers, among other work, from Bear Creek Studio in Seattle, is the producer of Wintergrain's third EP release, Hollywood and Hard. And then here's what they said about the EP. Most of the album was conceived and crafted in 2019-2020, so all tracks ended up bearing resemblance to the weight of the political and economic stresses that we navigated. Every time we sat down to write, it felt more important to speak truth and conviction. Fists was mainly inspired by the political demonstrations and elections of 2020, the song Hollywood and Hard inspired by the music scene in L.A., a Better You was about the self-awareness and, at times, lack thereof, Passenger Seat by Kate's personal experience with abandonment, and the track that we'll be listening to, Pages, deals with how quickly the heart recognizes truth. So, Sophie and Matt, what speaks to you about this song? The first thing that will hit you when you hear it is this, this incredible uh, rhythmic chord progression that I believe Cecily is playing um, that... Uh, does does a fantastic thing where you for a for a fraction of a second you're not entirely sure where the um, where the downbeat is or or where the uh, how the rhythmic structure of the chord changes is going to sit in context with the vocals and it and it resolves itself very very quickly and becomes a, a really accessible rocky almost poppy tune dare I say it <laughs> but with this this fantastic vocal from from Kate and then the the additional harmonies from Cecily and then of course the the rest of the band come in and if if you're not sold by that point then you you need your soul examining who's going to say exactly the same thing yeah <laughs> so um yeah Kate's Kate's vocal is just amazing um everything she does just the like timbre of her voice especially her head voice is really um really inspiring to me and then uh, and then and then Cecily on guitar, she's just amazing. Everything she does, all of the videos that she releases on her Instagram and things like that. She um incredibly cool musician. Yeah, she really is. She's just such a cool person. And obviously it speaks um speaks how do you say it? <laughs> <laughs> it on. speaks it speaks volumes, um, you know, when it when it comes through in, in their music as well, how talented she really is. So I like the ear twisting uh, dissonances mm. that are in there, and it seems that they pair them with the line "How is it so easy?" and that's a nice, uh, nice contrast. I, I love when songwriters throw in where you might not catch it the first time around, but after you know a few listens, you get rewarded with that next level kind of listening experience. Yeah, the first time we heard that chord, um, when you hear it, when she says "How is it so easy?" Matt was like. 
what is that called? What yeah. is that? That's <laughs> amazing. Still not entirely sure. No. <laughs> Jazz chord. It yeah. like hits you right in the heart. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah no, just, yeah. Uh, just listen uh, out for it. <laughs> a, a astonishing example of, uh, of songwriting and, and of uh, production mm. generally as well. Uh, I mean, Sophie touched on it earlier the the stuff that they were that they've been doing at, at Bear Creek is just astoundingly um refresh and i believe it's adam neely on bass little music trivia thing for <laughs> uh, fans okay. of his youtube channel all right well let's listen to it so song surfers this is wintergrain with the song pages and we'll be back after that with o'neill and jones Pretending that we listen to the yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this is all going out on our little secret podcast. With, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, behind the, the scenes. Behind the scenes. <laughs> and we're back. 
We just listened to the Wintergrain song Pages, and I'm here with O'Neill and Jones. And let's get into the second song. We're going to listen to Life to Let by 2K and Ryan. Ash 2K and Rebecca Ryan are an award-winning Northamptonshire-based acoustic duo blurring the lines between alt-folk, Americana, and roots music. Since 2018, 2K and Ryan have performed at numerous pubs, clubs, and festivals in the UK and internationally. They have three EPs under their belt and received global radio play for some recent singles. They're known for both lush harmonies and heartfelt lyrics in their original songs. They're passionate about creating music with a positive message. About the song Life to Let, they told us that it's about the preciousness of life and the momentary nature of time that we have. We wanted to write a song about seizing control of our lives and making the most of each moment we have. It's about learning to accept what life may throw at us and continuing to move forward, embracing new challenges and opportunities. You know, I think the thing that struck me about the song the most was how smoothly the vocals blend. Mm. Is that important or? I think definitely, yeah. Yeah, yes. Especially if you're a duo. Certainly, yeah. I mean, I've mentioned Paul Simon. We might as well mention the other half of his his (laughs) canon, which is Art Garfunkel. And, and you know, the two of them together, the, the, the work that went into to making sure that those vocals sat perfectly is is I, I think one of the reasons that their their stuff is so timeless. Um so yeah, I, I think it I think it makes a huge difference. And you can really tell with 2K and Ryan's stuff that they take a huge amount of pride in making sure that the vocals are just so um, I think it's that they've spent a lot of time like us basically working working together. Yeah. Learning each other's um vocal quirks and you know the way that they say things and yeah. And really working on that. So yeah, like like Matt said, you can really um, tell the amount of effort that they've put in. Sure, and they're not a couple, so you know the, when they get sick <laughs> of each other, they can just go oh, back to their. Are respective... you jealous, Matt? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use jealous. <laughs> you could always just close the door in your studio. It's fine. <laughs> if you want some space. <laughs> Divorce. <laughs> You heard, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Song Surfing Podcast. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> Took a nasty Hurry, turn. Hurry, stop man. recording. <laughs> All right, let me rewind. Let me, let Go me, on, then. Let me rephrase that. I, lo- I love you. No. In a way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, 2K and Ryan, just absolutely beautiful couple of people the, the, the nicest people you could hope to meet so positive um uh, hugely entertaining in everything they do and and massively inspiring to us um particularly since we uh, haven't released anything since last year <laughs> <laughs> they released a lot of music quite a lot and are touring their own um their own music and stuff so while we sit making our own covers a certain part of us goes Mm. Yeah, actually, we really I wonder should if, be back at it. By I wonder now, if we could we? get them to release a song and just say we wrote it, <laughs> and then we could get our name like bouncing around social media without actually doing any work. So, what is it about the song that that grabs you? You've already touched on it. The way the vocals play together, the sentiment itself, the central message of the song is hugely universal and kind of difficult not to fall in love with in a way. I mean, the listeners will hear when they, when they listen to the lyrics, it, there's something so beautiful about it and the way it's presented in this kind of really efficient, um, poetic language that, that is 
fantastically arranged with the vocals and the harmonies. It, it's just gorgeous. And the way that the thing that I spoke about earlier, which is making either a three chord or a four chord progression sound sound interesting with the, the finger picking and, and the things that, that 2K and Ryan do is actually really interesting to me. So it's, it's really catchy. Yeah, he's, really a, interesting. he's a great guitarist. Uh, there's something about the way he plays and, I, and particularly the the way he records himself. I, I don't know what it is he's doing, but there's something incredibly smooth and rounded about the sound that they that they get every time that that really kind of puts us to shame in a lot of ways. Like we're, we're pretty much fumbling in the dark most of the time, trying to making it up as we go along. Their stuff just sounds so polished and, and beautifully mixed and mastered and they're awesome. So they're a source of inspiration for you. Hugely, awesome. yeah. Yeah, yeah hugely. But don't tell them that because they'll just get big heads and <laughs> the music will go down the toilet, won't it, if they, if they feel like they don't have to try anymore. <laughs> Choices left. 
So what, what else inspires you or what inspires your music? Everyday life, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure really whether any one thing is more or less inspiring than the next. I think a lot of, a lot of writing kind of boils down to how, how you choose to look at the world and the sort of, um, the, there's a lot of parallels, I think, between songwriting and, and, uh, comedy comedians that the the way that they look at a certain situation has to have a slightly kind of sideways um attitude um in order to see things that everybody is seeing but not everybody is noticing and i and i think that probably comes back to what i was saying earlier about efficiency of language and those moments where you find the exact right combination of words in the exact right order with the right inflection and musical kind of cadence. The best example I can think of is there's a, there's a song, my absolute musical hero is Ben Folds and, and particularly Ben Folds 5. And there's a song of theirs called Last Polka, which I think was on the first album. And there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lyric in that that says, the cruelest lies are often told without a word. The kindest truths are often spoken, never heard. It kind of sums up my entire philosophy when it comes to songwriting. Is it, If you can come up with some, something that sounds that good and is also true, I think... And it rhymes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, that's the hardest part. I'm sure he went through about nine or ten permutations <laughs> before he I can't get the fucking yeah. rhyme. <laughs> Yeah, it used to just be about hot dogs until yeah. he eventually <laughs> yeah, came upon yeah. that. Um, but yeah, a, a moment like that, when you come across a moment like that in a song, and you that that's the kind of moment that can make you decide, okay, this is my this is the band for me. And I think that's that's how I fell in love with um, with Ben Folds Five. And similarly, Simon and Garfunkel, the only living boy in New York, just. Just incredible from start to finish. Such clear, crystal clear imagery and simple kind of mundane scenes that are conjured up by the lyrics and the vocals. For me, it's all about the the lyrics, which is ironic, really, because that's the part that I find most difficult and I spend most time over. And, and That's the part that you're actually the best at. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I second guess myself constantly, and I and I think there are there's probably a drawer somewhere filled with about a hundred songs, each of which has 
30 or 40 different drafts with things crossed out and and very often I'll just give up and just and just go no it's it's not it isn't working and I don't know why so I'll just have to stop there and hope that the next idea is one that flows a little bit easier but maybe it's not supposed to be easy maybe it's maybe it's supposed to work it and you know <laughs> constantly keep redrafting I think if you pick up a rhyming dictionary you you're probably not um, writing from the heart. Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, definitely writing. Uh, for me, I have to write from the heart. I've tried to write songs about, you know, just fictional characters and things like that, but I never really thought that it kind of made much sense. And to me, I didn't really care about what I was creating. But the first song that I actually kind of had a mini, <laughs> mini breakthrough with is the first song that we we released, which is a Christmas song yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I wrote um, while while Matt was having a nap, yeah. <laughs> and I, it all kind of came. I, I struggled for years and years trying to write something and never actually properly finished anything and thought thought that it was any good. You know, wanting to show anyone, especially Matt, because we're so close. You know the the people that are closest to you sometimes you don't want to show them you know what you've created so yeah while he was napping I came up with um what uh, our song it doesn't snow but the uh we're kind of the type of people that just tend to to work 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 and we don't with the line of work that we do with performing with events and things like that we tend to miss a lot of Christmases and birthdays and Mother's Days and, and, you know, and things that are important in life, especially Christmas. We've worked over Christmas and New Year's for the entire time that we've been together, the entire time that we've worked as a, mm. as a touring band. So this one was obviously over COVID where we, we weren't working <laughs> and it was kind of a message of, you know, maybe we could be a little bit less grinchy <laughs> and try and, you know, kind of enjoy the, the Christmas spirit a little bit more. And it's something that I've wanted to do for, for quite a long time. And it just kind of poured out over the space of like 20 minutes. I hummed a couple of things, you know, into the voice memo app on your phone which is always really handy and then I grabbed my guitar and and put a couple of chords underneath it and by the time Matt had woken up I already had the the bones of the song already written which to me was like mental I've, I've never finished anything to the point where I thought oh you know this might actually be good and then I showed it to Matt and we were already working on something else at the time and he said well we've got to like we've got to work on this and this was on the 15th of December. <laughs> so great time. And I just thought, well, it was a song that I wrote to you for us for like a, a Christmas, you know, yeah. a little thing, you know, to, to kind of enjoy Christmas together. <laughs> but unbeknownst to me that, uh, you know, at the point where this was written and we decided to work on it, we actually missed Christmas completely. <laughs> so the sentiment of the song, which was, you know, let's let's enjoy Christmas and, you know, put up some lights and things like that was, um, you know, we actually ended up working on, you know, promoting the song and driving ourselves into the ground like yeah, we, we normally do. we didn't do. have time Exhausted. to do any of the things that the song suggests we <laughs> One should One day we will. But to me, it, it, it's quite, you know, it's quite personal and... Um, and yeah, it means something to me because because it's about, you know, an experience. The, the interesting thing about that, Soph, is, is that the very thing that would have pre prevented you from allowing, let's say, the world to hear that song, the fact that it was a kind of personal, private sentiment and series of thoughts that you just committed in complete honesty with no sense of anybody 
judging you or or even being aware of it as a as a piece of writing was the is the exact thing that made it so accessible and so kind of universal and and appeal to so many people is because it's it's that genuine from the heart kind of writing that really connects with people connected with me when when I when I finally surfaced and you and you played it to me <laughs> surfaced um, from the dead <laughs> and, I, and I knew straight away yeah so everyone that hears this is going to is going to relate to it in one way or another so yeah it was it was pretty much battle stations from that point mm. wasn't it we've got we've got about 8 days to yeah. <laughs> to record and mix and edit and and oh, it was amazing I, I had absolutely no idea what to do with it and Matt just took it and arranged it and added guitar and then we added horns and we added strings um, little and... string lines and it was just like nothing that I could have ever it was like just a little guitar with a couple of strummy yeah, <laughs> F chords and you know. I, well yeah I mean that's but that's how all songs start yeah. isn't it but there was I think there's something interesting about um, the way we work and uh, presumably a, the way a lot of partnerships work is that sometimes you'll hear something when you played that song to me I could hear it the way it ended up mm. when it was fully arranged and it had this kind of quasi orchestral sort of feel to it that those were the things I was hearing as you were playing just the chords and the lyrics yeah. and I don't think that would have happened if it had been something I'd written I think I'm, I would have been so bogged down in yeah. right well how do I make this line sound now it's nice and stuff and actually because you'd done all that work I could <laughs> I could just go straight to <laughs> right how do we present this in the in the best possible way and all the work was already done, the lyrics were already in place, the sentiment was there, it was heartbreakingly beautiful. This Christmas I bought you a jacket To keep you warm like you make me feel This Christmas we can't afford much But it's no big deal So I decorated the windows To give me that December glow This Christmas is feeling more special Even though It's been a long year I think that's pretty Together, let's look on the bright side. This Christmas we'll make the dinner. We'll try to and see how it goes. This Christmas may end up a mess.
been braving the weather, but together, let's look on the bright side. Chocolate, watch movies in bed while main coons surround us and sit on our heads. Ooh. And listen to classics on the Together, let's look on the bright side. Let's look on the bright side. Usually tackle a song that way where one of you comes up with the the basic ideas, the melody and the lyrics, and then you work on the arrangement together? Or do you have some songs where you develop the melody and lyrics, chord progression and all all those building blocks together as well? For the next song that we're about to put out, that's one that, that you've, uh, you wrote quite a long time ago that we've kind of worked on together with harmonies and, and arrangement. And yes. Yeah. And, and actually, it's, it's one that I thought, well, this is just this kind of nothing really it's not it, it's dead simple and it doesn't really particularly go anywhere and, and stuff and another another example of him not realizing how amazing <laughs> he actually is because oh. it's one of the best songs that i've i've heard from from him put it that way and i've Bless heard you. a lot so it's a good example of not being the best judge of your own work and not really being in a position to kind of critique your own stuff you've really just got to do what you think is right and then offer it up to well, the person you're working with, first of all, and then ultimately the world. And if you kind of get a yes on those couple of stops along the way, then the chances are you, you're on the right you're on the right track. But yeah, there was something about this this next release that I just thought, well, it doesn't really do the things that I was hoping it would do. It feels like there's, the, the lyrics are really dense. There's too many words. There's a couple of extra syllables here and there where they shouldn't be. But all of that stuff, I suppose, doesn't matter if the if the the end result kind of connects with the listener as it as it did with you so he's, he's clearly it's wrong really nice <laughs> he's clearly <laughs> it's wrong really good. And, and there's then, and there's loads of harmonica in it yeah nice. that's that's a plus as well yeah. um and then the song that we're releasing after that was actually a, an unfinished piece of mine that i was putting off and putting off and putting off until we had a deadline for a podcast yeah. um and uh and I had to finish it because yeah. we we committed to <laughs> we three songs. We promised to play live on a podcast. We committed to three songs, so I kind of had to finish something, and then we came in and we refined it 
to the point now where I'm very, very happy with it, apart from a couple of <laughs> a couple of lyrics, which uh, I don't think lyrics are my strong suit, if yeah. I'm being honest. Oh, yeah. you're like, yeah, they're not. No, no, I, sorry, I was... <laughs> no, I was, I was agreeing with you and... I was about to, in the doghouse. I was about to circle back to your original question, which I think the most successful stuff tends to be when one of you has basically the bones of a song and then you come in and, and work it up together. I kind of think that any kind of creative endeavor, it really needs a single voice at the center of it. And, and the most successful pieces of art are the things where the people around the original creator were able to tap into that creator's vision of, of what this thing should be, how it should look or how it should sound. Or I don't know if you've seen the original The Office, Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant's uh, original classic. It was something that they came up with entirely themselves and they knew exactly how it should look and sound. And and the, the genius of bringing that show to life was in surrounding themselves with people who could kind of tap into that vision as well. And if they hadn't done that, if they'd just gone with any old producer or any old director or any old director of photography, it would have ended up being just another sort of generic sitcom that fell by the wayside. And instead, they stuck to their guns and, and they found the right people and they ended up with the greatest six hours of TV in, in history, in British <laughs> history. And I think it kind of works the same with songwriting. I think one of you kind of has to take a supporting role because you can push and pull things in so many different directions and, and every idea has merit. Everything can potentially be the right thing to do. So it actually speeds things up if you kind of say, right, well, you make the decisions and then I'll take those choices that you make and I'll do everything I can to embellish them and improve them and, and support them, basically. Because otherwise no, nothing gets done and you're kind of umming and ahhing about tiny little minute things or, you know, which way a chord progression should go. And, and actually, you just kind of need to get the work done. Finish it and then yeah. refine it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's why we need podcast-induced deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> what are some lessons that you've learned along the way? That nothing is ever perfect. Yeah, yeah. That you'll never be fully, <laughs> I know this sounds terrible, but you'll never be fully happy with something. Um it, the guitar line or a vocal take or whatever, but to to enjoy the process, most importantly, but to to get the song out and learn from from what you would consider your mistakes, um, and just see that as a moment in time. The amount of people that have remastered things like Fleetwood Mac and the Beatles and things like that, but I much prefer going back to to their older versions. They're clearly happier with the remastered um you know versions and things like that but for me it's um you know the the older the older takes um that that i enjoy the most so yeah that that um <laughs> there's like three things in there <laughs> yeah. enjoy the ride um that you'll never be fully happy with with anything and just yeah just enjoy yourself yeah yeah don't don't try too hard yeah don't don't stop it being fun yeah totally it's supposed to be fun first and good second and and you can't really get to good until until you've been through the not so good and and crap phase of <laughs> whatever it is you're doing you know every time you, the first time you pick up a guitar it's not supposed to sound good it's 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 supposed to be enjoyable and and the goodness comes from enjoying it and doing it 
over and over again and refining the, the, the process. And the same is true with, with songwriting. Just enjoy yourself. Otherwise, you're no fun to listen to. Yeah, you really do have to embrace the, the journey. Um, you know, I, I find like the, the finish line is always moving mm. if you're expecting to get reach a certain level. Oh, At least sure. that's been my experience. I went to a jazz concert uh, uh, this week that was kind of mind-blowing. And I just I left the concert um, just so energized, but also just feeling like, gosh, what have I been practicing for the last 20 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because like these are folks that are, are not a whole lot older than me, mm-hmm. but playing, a, you know, just said in a whole other universe. <laughs> yeah. A, a, jazz, a jazz festival is a very good place to have a, a, a kind of epiphany about whether you've perhaps wasted certain aspects of your, uh, <laughs> of your life and your time. and your... So I'm interested in knowing what happened when you got home. Did you pick up a guitar or an instrument or did you just go, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't compete with that. <laughs> no. No, I did not. You know what? I resigned myself um, a, a while ago that to kind of just be a, a, a casual uh, pursuer of jazz, you sure. know, play play what I like to, you know, uh, just for fun uh, on guitar, but really focus more on, on my songwriting. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm the type who like wants to do everything, you know, and mm. then, you know, you wind up not great at anything. Yeah. <laughs> Masters right? of so none. I'm, I'm trying to focus on songwriting and... Uh, just kind of rock style guitar playing. Sure. Um, but I love jazz and I, I wish I had another hundred years to really get good at playing that style. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, th- that thing that you described then actually is, is can be quite a problem because there are so many worthwhile avenues to pursue and that they're, they're each huge amounts of fun in their own, in their own right. Like I, I love writing, you know, rock, like proper kind of, Brian Adams style rock ballads with big soaring <laughs> guitar solos and stuff, and it's completely wrong for for the stuff we write together and and anything that we we're, we're putting out. But um, but there's something about that arena that that is really appealing to me. Um, but the, you've kind of got to pick a thing eventually, I think. And I luckily these days songwriting is a thing. There's a there's a a whole genre called singer songwriter, which actually is is pretty diverse and and um, sort of nondescript. But um, essentially, I think what people are saying is sort of fairly acousticy, which is nice because those are those are that's what we like to that's the arena we like to dabble in. Really, something that's fairly. Fairly acoustic has kind of real instruments and um, and feels organic. Feels like you're in the room with a one person or or a duo or or whatever. Although having said that, we do use like processed drums a huge amount. Like the 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 song that we we sent you for this show, the drums are all there's there's nothing real about the drums at all. <laughs> but <laughs> a, a, apart from the work we put in trying to make them sound real, and I've just blown it by yeah. Uh, <laughs> Give it away. We'll cut look behind the curtain. (laughs) So speaking of the song, we're going to be listening to No Excuse. So I was really impressed by the build that that you have that seems to evolve over the the course of the entire track. Is that something where you had that end point of the arrangement in mind when you were first working on it? Or how did that go about being developed? I think so, yeah. it It was a song that I put together, I think, maybe a year or two before... Sophie and I met um, and it was in a period where I wasn't really doing a huge amount. The The, the band that I was with had broke up um, and it was a, um, 
it was a sort of time where I was kind of feeling like a little bit hard done to and a little bit like um, the world owed, owed me a favor. And um, and it, the, the song itself was kind of a slap in the face to myself and, and, and a way of kind of saying, well, actually, you know, stuff happens to people and, and you just keep getting up and, and plowing on and, and getting on with your life. And there really isn't a... You, you don't really have a, a, a legitimate excuse to, to sit around belly aching. Um, and I, and I think from, from that point in terms of arrangement, um, the, the rest of the song kind of put itself together. There was, there was something nice I thought about the, um, the opening, uh, guitar motif, those, those three, those three notes, um, that kept presenting itself throughout the song, um, kept coming back and feeling, appropriate the only thing i knew for definite was that i wanted it to have a sort of glorious three-part harmony to finish with um and so that was something that when me and sophie set to work arranging it that we had that in mind as an end point we wanted it to to feel kind of big at the at the end um and so walk us through that that ending harmony, f so the listeners know what to listen for. Sure. What are the, what are the three parts? <laughs> they are very very long, <laughs> difficult lines to sing in one take. <laughs> Matt is an absolute nightmare for things like this. Um, uh, uh, on a bit of a tangent, um, while we were creating the the promo for um for the the song No Excuse, um we uh, came up with a couple of ideas of, you know, with Instagram and everything, everything needs to be 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And Matt actually um, took away all of the instruments and just had the vocals come in a cappella. Um, and a certain part of us thought, why didn't we put this in the song? Like, why isn't, why doesn't it just start with vocals or end with just the vocals on their own? And that's another part that uh, of us that just comes together and goes, Nothing will ever be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing will ever be finished. We will never be fully happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nice um, a, a nice thing to realize though. Something like that when you when you hear it just in isolation, you think, oh, that's a really nice, glorious, tight harmony. Why don't we Why don't we present that and show people and make them feel all kind of spooky? And actually, it it, it kind of doesn't need it, and it's sort of. I feel terrible saying it, but it would be kind of showboating to put that in. Mm. It would be like, hey, look at look at this great idea I've had. And actually, <laughs> that's the opposite of the point of the song, really. It's supposed to be a kind of straight down the line, sort of country rock kind of thing about just getting on and doing the work and making making it making it good. It doesn't <laughs> have to be perfect, just make it good. Or at least make it, <laughs> you know? Do the do the work. <laughs> so yeah, just three very long lines that are difficult to sing. Yeah. Into. So towards the end, I think we have we have uh, you know extra harmonies coming in here and there to the point where it's ridiculous. There's something like twenty vocal tracks or something. There really didn't need to be. If we were better singers, we could do it in six. Well, I think it sounds great. Oh, thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, that that uh, that ten dollars is in the post. By the way, <laughs> should should be with you any minute. <laughs> So we're, we'll be listening to O'Neill and Jones' song, No Excuse. But before we do that, O'Neill and Jones, a.k.a. Sophie and Matt, thank you for being on Song Surfing. Oh, thank you very much thank for having you. us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And where can people find and follow you and your music? On O'Neillandjones.com. Do you want to be the one to spell it out to them? Yeah, my, I, I should apologize for the spelling of my surname. It's <laughs> O-N-E-I-L-L. -L. 
and Jones. Which is disappointing, to say the least. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting it changed, so it's just O. Add a few extra L's. <laughs> Owen Jones, yeah. It's yeah. an awkward way of spelling it, but it's his name, so we I have mean, to... I mean, I didn't choose it, um, but also, like, that means that it's there's very little chance that people accidentally Google the wrong O'Neill and Jones. That's true. So, you know, the four people who are aware of us yeah. are aware of us on purpose. <laughs> so, yeah, our website, um, O'Neillandjones.com, has a link to all of our videos, um, acoustic versions of the songs that we've released, and, yeah, basically all of our music on all of the streaming platforms, really. And, of course, if you really want to support um, artists, both emotionally and financially, the best <laughs> place to do that is Bandcamp, because it's one of the few remaining places where artists can actually earn a decent amount per song. Uh, or per album or per EP or whatever. And of course, the other two artists that we've um, spoken about today, Wintergrain and 2K and Ryan, both also use uh, Bandcamp to sell their music directly to their fans. So that would be uh, o'neillandjones.bandcamp.com. All of our stuff is on there, as well as a couple of little other bits that never made it to YouTube and Spotify. O'Neill and Jones, thanks again. And Song Surfers, this is their song, No Excuse.
Hey kids, we're back. And that music means it's time for me to say thanks for listening to Song Surfing. And thanks so much to O'Neill and Jones for appearing on this episode. You can find links to O'Neill and Jones music as well as the other featured artists on this episode at the episodes and show notes page of songsurfingpodcast.com. You can follow Song Surfing on Facebook and Instagram by searching Song Surfing Podcast, all one word. Follow me on Instagram, search Oodles Music or at Oodles Music. You can email the show, songsurfingpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to help me improve Song Surfing, then please take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, the Podcast Addict app, or Spotify. If you're not sure what to say, I suggest that you suggest an episode that people check out. Tell them where to start. And speaking of where to start, if you just checked out Song Surfing for the first time with this episode and you want to see what the the more typical episodes of the show, the non-interview episodes of the show are all about, then I suggest starting with episode 45. It was the second of the All Chicago Features, featuring some of the, the amazing talent in and around Chicago. Or episode 46, the one that came out just before the one you're listening to now. That episode, I think, showcases the variety that you'll you'll get in a lot of the episodes. You'll hear some hip-hop, some heavier music, some lighter music, and a song by one of my favorite artists, I think, for this year, and maybe of all the artists featured on Song Surfing. So go, go check that out. Thanks to Josh Ween and Patrick Moonbird for lending their music as the intro and outro music, respectively. My name's John Kell, and see you next time.